Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. I do podcast listeners, what's going on? Welcome to the show. That was a that you threw me off there with that you, intro. You don't like my intro? <laughs> no, I just wasn't expecting that. I'm trying to mix it up here. <laughs> yeah, very true. All <laughs> right, we're coming to you not live, recorded from sunny Hood River. Yes. Hope you guys are having an excellent summer day or winter if you're in the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Most of our listeners are not. So it is sunny here, no worries, and we are excited to tell you about... Yeah, today is day one of our Happy Couple Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, so if you haven't signed up yet, head on over to our website, idopodcast.com, to sign up, and you will receive day one. You'll actually receive it the following day, but... You'll get day one tomorrow, so you'll start a day late. That is fine. But day one, the challenge is, drum roll. 
is not that dramatic, <laughs> especially this <No>. one. <laughs> Cuddling. It's cuddle. Yeah, but don't get thrown off. All the male listeners out there, I feel like you're turning it off right now. No. Like, oh my gosh. Or in female. But it is an important thing. And there's a lot of science back research into why touch is so important. That's really what cuddling is all about. And in the email, it'll go into detail. It's not just curl up in a ball. And it can't be foreplay. I was kind of... (laughs) I don't want to say disappointed, but that was added in there as a uh, prerequisite, I think, for it to be effective because you don't, you know, it doesn't always, shouldn't always be completely sexual when when there's touch. And and it's Esther in the article mentions that it's it's our first language as an infant, which makes sense. That's how Mm -hmm. you communicate. You feel your parent, you feel your your mom touches is so important. So, Yeah, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, not to go into too much detail, because for those of you who have the email, I'm sure you've read it already, but you will see in the email that it goes over the challenge and then it gives you some ideas, some jump starters of how you can implement it. And then it talks a little bit about what Chase said, a little bit about the science, about why it helps, dig a little bit deeper about... Um, how you'll benefit from it. So you'll see that in the email and each email will be uh, set up that way. So you know what to expect. And we will, through the next uh, couple days, actually, well, next week, we'll go over day two through six. So we can kind of talk about that all together. So we hope you guys enjoy it. And hopefully uh, this challenge will be great. I think, I think we're right. I think we're going to do our Cuddling tonight. Actually, we're holding our hands right now. So does this count? No. <laughs> doesn't count. It's no. gotta you gotta read the email, Sarah. <laughs> I know. No, but but yeah, make sure Sarah, I don't know if she mentioned, but make sure you go to IDupodcast.com, dot com, sign up for the email so you can get that first day of the challenge. And it's not gonna be a challenge on the podcast. So next week, like Sarah said, we'll go through two through six. So you'll get the email every day from now in between then and and meanwhile Sarah and I will just be cuddling until next week (laughs) (laughs) when you hear from us again but uh yeah we're looking forward to that so we got our 20 minutes of cuddling scheduled for later I think we can do it when we watch Netflix maybe or should be maybe a little bit more focused and not distracted by the season finale of Bloodline oh is it the finale already was the last season but oh Anyways, today we're really excited to bring you Dr. Eileen Cohen. And Dr. Cohen is a psychotherapist and blogger and teaches at the Department of Counseling at Barry University. And today we zero in and talk about the importance of thinking separately in a relationship. And then we get into a lot of other stuff that was pretty interesting and pertinent to myself in particular on the day We talked about it and just in general, and that is being emotionally triggered. So the first thing I want to talk about, we start the interview, is the importance of thinking separately. And what that's really about is that you need to be your own person in the relationship and why that's so important. And the big misconception is that we want to be like our partner. We need to have the same likes and desires and and all these things. We need to be similar. And the reality is, is it's not true. And it would be actually pretty boring if you're with someone that always agrees with you, always is thinking the same thing and and you know, opposites attract the old cliche, but I think that's why opposites do attract is because it's more interesting to to have someone in your life that it's not like dating yourself. Who wants to do that? I don't know. I think today you said, when we got into a little argument, you said, you should just think like me and then we won't have any arguments. I said that Joke- jokingly, I know, I know, I jokingly, I know. very jokingly. <laughs> but if you are thinking that seriously, then then this episode <laughs> is is definitely for you. And then we really get into becoming triggered when you're in the relationship It's really with anyone. It can be a business or a friend, but particularly a loved one, a partner. And I 
definitely have an issue and something that I'm trying to always work on in that certain things just kind of set me off and and I get into I don't get violent I don't really yell but I I just I become another person and not a good person not a person that I want to be and emotionally I think all of us have that somewhere inside of us and some are able to manage it better than others. Some, it may not even show. And I know mine certainly shows more than I would like. And Dr. Cohen gives us and gives me some, some tips on how to deal with that and how a partner can help the other partner deal with that uh, emotional trigger. So it's really an important thing because I think a lot of conflict stems from just being triggered and then you go down this path that you're really outside of your own mind and not acting uh, like you should be. Yeah. One of the tips that Dr. Cohen gives is to not judge yourself. And we talk about this in the interview, but you know, sometimes as much as Chase says, he doesn't like the person that he has been when he gets triggered. Sometimes I think he's a little bit too hard on himself because he's, you know, we're only human and, and sometimes that happens. So yeah, don't be hard on yourself. Don't judge yourself and just try to be more conscious, more mindful and just improve for the next time. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. That's also part of the area I'm trying to work on. And I just I'm looking at my notes here and Dr. Cohen says kind of sums that up nicely. She says we can't change our physiology, but we can change our response. So what she means by that is, and she'll talk about it, but we can't change the the emotional person we've become because it's shaped from from a childhood. And but we can change our response, and we can work. Now that's not a fatalistic thing to say, like, "Oh, you can't change. That's just the way you are." It's actually the exact opposite. It's that we have these these reactions, these emotions ingrained in us. And they're going to trigger a certain reaction almost automatically. But that doesn't mean that's what you need to show the world. That doesn't mean that that's always going to trigger you in that way. You can work on your response to that internal feeling. And that's what I really take away from that and not judging myself as much just for feeling that. It's really acting on that is the the important thing to recognize and then how am I acting on that am I acting that on that in a constructive way constructive to myself in the relationship or in a negative way that is going to hurt the relationship and myself so I really enjoyed this interview I think you guys will find a lot of value and uh, I hope that we hope that you enjoy the show as always we appreciate you guys for listening and have a great day and enjoy the show Support for I Do Podcast comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 500,000 people who have used Talkspace for online therapy with their licensed therapist. Get $30 off your first month by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Dr. Cohen. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Dr. Cohen, we've given our listeners a little overview, talked about all the great work you're doing. So why don't you tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Well, I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I think it's very important to study relationships because that's what our satisfaction in life is. If you think about it, our relationships are probably up there on importance um, and making our lives feel good and satisfactory. My journey into marriage and family therapy began in my master's program, and I learned how we truly develop into who we are through our personal relationships. And I always knew I wanted to be some type of therapist, but as I continued to study and I got my doctorate in marriage and family therapy, I 
saw that we don't really live in isolation. So it made sense to me that instead of just studying about, you know, DSM or mental disorders within a person, I wanted to study more how issues derived and come and come about within our relationships and ways we can better work through our problems within our marriages and our families. We love that. And I think, uh, today's topic is going to be something that's really valuable to our listeners and something that you've probably encountered um, with the people you work with. And to me, it's a big sort of misconception. I know one that I held, and, and I'm sure a lot of people, is that we need to think like our partner. We need to think alike. We need to agree on everything in order for it to be successful. And that's just not the case. So let's zero in and talk about why it's important to think separately and how to navigate when we go to our partner. And and the common thing that you use in the article is you say, we never see eye to eye on this is is probably something uh, someone has said. I know in some form or another, I've said it in our relationship and we just get so <laughs> frustrated that it's like, why can't you just understand what I'm trying to say? And we almost get blinded by our emotions. So let's dive right in and talk about, uh, maybe we can start with you talking about why this sort of happens and then we could talk about dealing with it. Yeah, so... I think a lot of people, especially in their closest relationships, we tend to go closer to people that have similar ideas or religions or um, that aren't so different than ours. And that, I think, is mostly a comfort thing. I think we get very anxious if we do get in a relationship with people that might have different opinions than us. And it makes us feel insecure about our own beliefs. So what I talk about in my article specifically is um, something called differentiation of self. And this is when you kind of, you really know yourself, you know who you are and your own values and beliefs, and you're confident in those beliefs apart from what other people think. So that helps with reducing conflict because you're not, so fused or reactive to other people's opinions versus if you felt more insecure about them or you were used to always being with people or speaking with people that have similar ideas and beliefs, that would be difficult when it does come up in your personal relationships. So um, like in my article, I was saying it's important to be well differentiated and building that sense of yourself Instead of really get try, getting lost and trying to fit into other people's ideas of you and your partner's ideas of you, because then you kind of lose yourself in those relationships, and that creates more reactivity and fusion. And that is all a lot easier said than done, right? You know, it's <laughs> like one thing, yeah, sure, okay, I will uh, try to put that out of my mind, but in the heat of an argument, and and it's just like I said, it's almost like we become blind, uh, blinded by our emotions. So how can how can someone that that finds this uh, occurring in their relationship, whether it's with themselves or maybe their partner, but a lot of times it's probably both. How can they work on addressing this issue and in working to become confident in their beliefs, or maybe not to react in such a negative way? when you feel like threatened and or frustrated that your partner's not understanding you? Yeah, of course. I mean, that is very frustrating and it's super hard. It's easier said than done and everything is more difficult in the heat of the moment. So something that's very helpful is becoming more self-aware and being able to separate our feelings and our thoughts So a lot of us react, especially to our loved ones, because we're emotionally connected to them. And it's harder to think when we're so angry. So it's part part of this is bringing in that thinking piece and trying to educate your emotions about what how you really would like to respond and talk things out versus what your emotional reactivity would like you to do. And that's something that you could do in the moment of an argument is try to bring that self-awareness in and your logical thoughts into the situation. But something you can do 
apart from that is what I was saying of becoming more differentiated is learning to manage your own part in the relationships, not feeling like you need to manage your partner, their emotions or the way that they're thinking and really controlling your own functioning by paying attention to your body and your mind and um, balancing out that while, you, you know, while you're thinking, okay, this person's upsetting me instead, think, okay, what now that this situation's occurring, what can I do? How can I better respond versus pointing the finger at your partner or thinking that they need to change their ideas? So it's more directing to your own self, regulating that instead of projecting all your stuff onto your partner. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And are there any red flags that could show up in a relationship that maybe this is something that will never be able to be resolved or that people won't be able to move through it and be okay with the other person having a a different opinion? Well, we all shouldn't. That's where the piece of knowing yourself comes in and your boundaries. So knowing what's okay and not okay with you before. So if you know, for example, that you do not want to be with a smoker, (laughs) that is just something that is just not okay with you. You don't believe in it. Um, and you don't want to be, and you can be okay. People want to smoke, they want to smoke, but you specifically don't want to be in a relationship with someone and you find yourself in a relationship with someone smoking. You have to make the decision if you want to be with that person or not versus like always getting upset every time they smoke. I think that's like, you can accept that. Okay. They're a smoker and that's what they're going to do with their lives. But you don't necessarily, if that's like a breaking a boundary, you don't want to be in a relationship with someone that's doing that type of thing, then that's when you have to make a decision if that's a deal breaker for you or not. So I think it's up to, you are in a relationship, but it's up to the individual to set out to see what is okay or not okay with them and not to necessarily project that onto their partners. If you do, if you did come to certain agreements before you got married and you start seeing things were changing, it's up to you to either decide to accept those things or if those again are deal breakers or if there's something that you can work out as a couple. So I guess it's case to case basis and it really still falls in line with knowing yourself, knowing what's okay with you. And even if it's not okay with you being able to have a rational discussion about it and respond to the situation versus getting overly upset or, or pointing fingers or blaming and things like that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, it does. And it, it's like you just said, it really comes back to the individual being self-aware and knowing what they want in the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Knowing what's okay. And, and research shows that if you can do that in the beginning of your relationship, you'll your relationship will last longer because you've already set you both know each other, you know what you want, you know what your boundaries are, and you know what's acceptable and not. So you won't have as many issues down the road. That's super important in the beginning because if you're putting up a front or not really being your true self, it's easy for a short amount of time in the beginning of a relationship, but long term, that's not going to hold up and it's going to become an issue sooner or later. So definitely trying to not force a feeling of, of, I'll just put up with this because I really like them right now, but that's just kind of dusting it off to the side, but it's going to pile up and and become a a huge thing later on. Exactly. That's why it's important to really know what your deal breakers are. What is it that you really don't think is okay for you and having a relationship to begin with, and that will save a lot of conflict in the future. So one of the things I want to talk about on this is the being aware of ourselves, our beliefs, but also just being present because a lot of what we're talking about will come up in, in, in a conversation and can turn into an argument pretty fast. And I know I'm thinking of the other day, uh, Sarah had some said something pretty simple and of along the lines of, you know, get off your computer. If you could, and she didn't say like that was, you know, if, can you get off your computer right now? 
um, because she wanted, you know, it was family time. And it just, I don't know what it was, but it just really bothered me of the timing or the tone or I didn't like being talked to that way. And it seemed so simple, but I was definitely in an irritable mood and it just set off kind of this this argument not necessarily uh about anything other than i don't like being told what to do in that sense and and i think then retrospectively i apologize because it was just a complete overreaction but i think as far as getting back to that trigger because i know i have it and i'm sure a lot of our listeners and and pretty much anyone that from our past life experiences uh, our emotions, our personality, uh, everything is formed right through our our life, and I can't point to what exactly it is that makes me feel so angry that that Sarah's like, "Hey, can you get off your computer?" Uh, but I think just the exercise of of me going through that, recognizing, man, that was a complete overreaction. Um, can help so much in, in constructively dealing with that situation. So we sort of handle that. And then moving forward now, I'm going to try to be, it still may trigger me, but bringing this full circle, if I'm more present uh, in the moment, instead of going to that immediate emotional reaction, I can sort of pause and and be like, all right, I don't need to get, this doesn't need to be an argument. If it does bother me, I need to explain that. But I'm sure you see this all the time. And, and, and are there other ways that that I could deal with that situation? Okay, well, Chase, I think it's great that you recognize it's a trigger for you. So you're already ahead of the game in that point. A lot of people would blame their wife for being demanding or um, always pushing their buttons and it's their fault. So you already understand that you have this trigger and that you might have been irritable from earlier in the day and you're taking a good look at yourself and trying to see, okay, maybe like people telling me what to do could be a trigger. So I think that's important to always keep in mind is, okay, how much of this situation is derived from my past? and triggers from the past that are just being built up and how much is it that the other person is stepping out of line. So it's always good to keep that in your mind and balancing those ideas out and giving yourself time. Even if you reacted later, you came back and you tried to repair the situation, which studies also show is very important because conflict's going to happen. People are going to disagree And if that does happen, the repair and the attempts to repair are really what matters afterwards. So if you could come after that and have a conversation and say, listen, I might have over, you know, exaggerated or I, I saw it the wrong way and and apologize, that in itself is, is very good. But you were saying what you could do in the present moment and in between stimulus and response, there is a moment. So if you could slow yourself down and bring your objective, because we all have, you know, these objective logical minds, if you can bring that into that present moment, you can try to recha- you can try to change your response while that's happening. You could say in in between those two, okay, Chase, is this is this really how do you really want to respond? What's the best way to respond? Or maybe you feel like you can't control it in the moment so you don't say anything at all or you walk away, you take a deep breath. Everybody has like different things that they do to not say hurtful things or or um, over-exaggerate the situation. Um, but, what, but for in the moment, it's always important to slow yourself down, bring yourself into that response and then try to change it in the moment. And like you said, if you find yourself still too irritable and angry and reactive, to really think about it, say, is this was this really just a trigger for me? And then try to repair or, you know, apologize for the situation. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. And I think it's important that you mentioned to to examine it and try to understand how much is it 
about your past or how much is it maybe the other person is out of line and and that's always going to be a not necessarily the most objective conversation with yourself because if you're worked up you might be like it's them it's them it's them um and in that i think it's just such a core part of i think what i try to work on and i imagine it's it's got to be a thing in many relationships in how it can just snowball into something that's very unhealthy because this small little flare up i know there's just this cloud afterwards that and it wasn't i didn't yell i didn't get but it was definitely not a good interaction and and then i felt bad and and i'm not saying i'm perfect i'm trying to work and i apologize i certainly wasn't perfect in the moment but i can see how that if you don't address that in that relationship and go back and try to repair it man that's like death by a a thousand cuts because the next time that happened, like you never heal that the other partner has resentment or maybe you have resentment because they were out of line, but you never address it. And, and it's, it's just can, it can go south very fast. So I would really build over time. Yeah. So uh, how can someone, I mean, it is so hard to do. Like I might go back and I still, I knew before I did that, that that was the wrong reaction, but I still had that reaction. So it's so important to go back and repair that. And then the next time, just try to be a little bit better. But it, it it's I, I mentioned this because it's a personal thing. And I think it can be so valuable to our listeners because it just shows like no one's perfect. We've never said that we're perfect. We have great experts on like yourself all the time. I know what to do, yet I still go the other way. But I think the key is to recognize, go back and try to repair and then move forward. And and that's, I think, a normal thing. I don't want to say it's right or it's good, but that's what relationships are are about. We're not going to agree on everything. To bring this back to how we started this conversation, we're going to have different views, but we just need to navigate that and communicate in the right way and have these tools in order to move forward in a positive direction. Exactly. So, you know, also it's important though to even, I know you working on it and you're always probably working on yourself and your marriage, but to also not judge yourself and realize that we're all human and we are responsible for how we behave. However, each situation is going to come with new different things that might trigger us. And that triggers our natural instinctive response as humans. So we can't do anything about that. So if you are triggered, that piece, the physiological piece, at that moment, you can't change that. The only thing you can change is your response, as impossible as it may seem at times. So I wouldn't judge myself so much on getting that initial anger or trigger because that's something, like you said, we could go back. And I love doing that with clients, seeing where our triggers came from and like what kinds of things trigger us and why and trying to get a better understanding so that you can be less judgmental when it does happen, more objective about it, knowing, okay, this is just kind of a way to respond to life that I inherited. And then later taking responsibility for yourself and and the way that you're going to act and then taking each situation as a test and a practice for your new ways that you would like to be in relationship with people. Yeah, I think what you said about not judging yourself is so important because, you know, Chase can be, you know, hard on itself sometimes. And I'm sure I, you know, I triggered something in that argument, but I probably could have said it differently to kind of downplay how I could have predicted how he could have handled it. So I think not being hard on yourself. And then I think the best thing that Chase has done is he's very self-aware. So although I probably could have said it differently, his reaction was what it was. But for him to really be self-aware and then apologize about it later, it really makes the argument a lot easier to deal with (laughs) than it would be any other way. 
<laughs> I'm sure it does. Especially, it's so hard if you're in a relationship and someone you were hurt and someone you feel like they're not apologetic or they don't have any empathy of your, you know, towards your feelings. So that makes it difficult. So especially if you do feel like someone was out of line and they're able to come and apologize, it makes such a difference in how you feel about them and how you feel about your relationship. But another point I would like to make is that, well, you were mentioning how you too. So we all like, I think we tend to still we either blame too much other people or we take the other route and we blame ourselves too much. But we have to see that issues are derived through our relationship interactions. So it's not really one person to blame. It's just important that each person takes more responsibility for themselves versus blame. If, if you see what I'm saying, um, that also will be more helpful because if you're always blaming yourself too much or other people, it's going to make you more reactive because you're going to be triggered when you feel like you're bl- being blamed too much or the other person's um, to blame. Yeah, it, it takes two to tango, right? So we're not going to have these conflicts without <laughs> another person in the relationship. And that's that's the beauty. That's the balance in, in why relationships can be so difficult, but also hopefully more often than not so great is that we're navigating this. And, and through these interactions, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. I know... I have and particularly uh, like why am I having this emotional reaction? What is that? What is triggering that? And now that is causing me to be introspective if you look at it as a learning opportunity and and then you're better for it the next time and now your relationship is a little bit better. I think a lot of people obviously there can be toxic relationships and you can have physical abuse, verbal abuse, and and you can have too much fighting. But a good relationship doesn't mean that every day you wake up and it's sunshine and butterflies and (laughs) you're never having a disagreement. And again, kind of bringing this back to what we were talking about in the beginning is that it's okay to disagree with your partner and you just need to be doing it in a constructive way and not going down a path of negativity where you're yelling or it's just poor communication and I think that's what also makes a relationship interesting if you're with someone and and they just say agree with everything you say and you have all the same views I don't think a lot of people are even really necessarily attracted to that in the beginning you might think you are but as far as long-term relationships there's nothing wrong with having some similarities and we talk a lot about that your values are one of the most important areas that you definitely need to be on the same page but after that it it's i think a great thing because now you're almost living two lives where Sarah is not interested in nearly as much in water sports and and sport uh, other sports in general as I am and but she has interests in, let's say, in, in theater and in art a lot more than I do. So now I get this other human perspective, almost this other life that I get to live through her and in, in, in our relationship together that, that can just add so much value. No, you're right. And I think that's great that you realize that because a lot of people go into relationships thinking – They need to be one person. They need to complete each other. But like you were saying, you need to be two separate people. And relationships, if you feel like you're the same person and everyone's always agreeing with each other, where is the room to grow or to really learn about yourself? Because you really only can start learning about who you are through your relationships and through conflict. So um, I think that is a very important piece that you just brought up. I love that. Now, before we go to the lasting love round, I want to just talk about this differentiation one last time and maybe drill down on the question of is there is there something someone should be asking themselves if they are constantly in a uh, disagreement and they're not, quote, seeing eye to eye and it feels like they're they're – always not seeing eye to eye when is that 
a, a big red flag and how should that be dealt with? Well, every situation is different and it's hard to say, you know, what to do. It depends on if it's always the same reoccurring arguments or if it's different types of arguments. So if it's like the same thing over and over that you can't come to an agreement on, then that's, and if it's an important issue, that's when you really have to evaluate what's going on. And if that's something that you need to just accept and move forward from, or if that's something that you both need to work out to make sure that the relationship can move forward. But if you find yourself both always just being argumentative about different things and you always just like have to get your way, it would be important. The only thing, the only person you have control over, which I'm sure you know, is yourself and your own emotions and your own reactions. So again, it would be bringing into becoming aware of your own self and your values and who you are as a person and trying to be open and honest with yourself and allowing then space for other people to be open and honest with yourself and try not to feel so reactive. Try to listen to them and be more objective about the situation versus um, so reactive to it. So for example, maybe pretend that there's someone you just met or someone that you don't know, or maybe a friend, we tend to be less reactive to friends and we're able to hear them out more. For some reason with our partners, we just maybe don't hear them as well because our emotions get so tied into what they're saying. We can't really hear the words. Um, So I think it would be constantly working on that piece of your own triggers on what your thoughts are about the situation, trying to separate those feelings from your thoughts. And um, because a lot of people that argue all the time or have difficulty hearing people out is they have a really tough time making a distinction between like their feelings about a situation and the actual logical, you know, objective situation. For example, with a couple, you might have the wife might say, oh, the dishes still look dirty even though you just clean them and she's just saying like oh there's a piece of dirt on it and the husband might go start getting upset like what do you mean the dishes are dirty like I washed them and da 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 so if you take a step back the objective situation was the wife was just saying there's a you know the dish still looks dirty there's a piece of dirt on it the husband puts all kinds of meaning onto that she doesn't think I'm good enough. She's um, telling me that I don't know how to wash a dish. You know, we put we project all of our stuff and our emotions onto this objective experience, and then that is what can create more conflict. So really trying to see the situation for what it is, see when you start bringing your emotional commentary into that fight or into that disagreement taking a step back and trying to really just have a conversation about the facts, not about your feelings of it. Um, That's so important. And it's so true. It goes back to what the argument I was mentioning earlier when Sarah was asking if I could get off the computer, I just projected all of these feelings and emotions onto that when there was, there was nothing incredibly complicated about what she was asking me to do and I love that you mentioned and we've heard this before but how would you treat your friend if they said the same thing would you have the same reaction no but we are not in the same kind of relationship uh, with a friend as we are with our partner, our lover, it's so much more complicated. There's so much more going on. So it does trigger us, but taking that moment is so important. So that's great advice. And I, and I, I like to, I don't always do it. And in fact, I, I rarely do, but I think if we think to ourselves, would I act this way towards my friend? Would I have this reaction? Maybe we can ask ourselves that question in that moment and that will kind of re help us reevaluate the way we proceed. Exactly. Because in our, our marriages or partnerships, 
we become a lot of times so fused with um, our partners. We, like I was saying, you think, you know, the other person needs to complete you and you create unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. And that breeds more reactivity when something that is perceived as negative happens. So if you can maintain that you are two separate selves, that it's okay to be two separate selves, but also have an emotional connection at the same time, that would help when these situations happen to not be, you know, so easily triggered. Love that. And this has all been such great information. I want to tell you and our listeners that Sarah had to jump out of the room because our two-year-old woke up a little bit early from her nap. So that is why Sarah Sarah has mysteriously disappeared from the conversation. <laughs> but she's going to listen to this uh, when she edits. And there's been so much great information. We love it. And now we got to go forward to the lasting love round. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, talk space. If you listen to this show, you've heard us talk about it probably for about the last month. And what it is, is it's an app that connects you with a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. And listening to this podcast is great. You're going to get a lot of great information from our guests, but a lot of times to really see change in yourself, in your relationship, it's helpful to talk to a licensed expert. And that's what Talkspace makes it easier than ever to do. So what you need to do is go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do, that's one word, and you will get $30 off your first month. That helps the podcast, it helps us, and it's going to help you. So again, that's Talkspace.com forward slash I do, that's I D-O, and you will get a $30 discount on your first month, and you're going to improve yourself, improve your relationship from the comfort of your home off of your smartphone. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? So like I've been talking about, I think the number one thing to do would be to work on your reactivity by becoming more self-aware. So practice responding to your partner rationally versus reacting to them when you're upset. You do this by practicing awareness of yourself, your part in the disagreement, like Chase has said he does, and coming together to talk about it without placing blame or pointing the finger. Um, a big thing I have clients do is start being observers of their own selves and actions. So they watch themselves kind of like a movie. So this gives them the opportunity to slow down instead of reacting to situations that upset them. They take a look at them and then they're able to respond in a calmer way. Um, this is important because it opens up better lines for communication. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? So any of John Gottman's books are great. Like, for example, The Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. All of his stuff is research-based of over 30 years of research. Another book I recommend is called Extraordinary Relationships, A New Way of Thinking About Human Interactions by Roberta Gilbert. And her work is based off of Bowen Family Systems Theory, which is what I work from. Great. Well, we'll have both of those books in your show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. Go to the archives and we'll be able to find those links. So we have been married for nearly three years this fall. I can't believe that. We usually say two years, but now it's nearly three years. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? Well, first, congrats. Um, it's very nice that you found each other and I, you created this wonderful podcast. So I'm sure that you'll have a lifetime of happiness together. Well, thank um, you. Many more years. Um, so as you probably know, research does show that in the beginning, like maybe the first two years of marriage is said to be the hardest. So I would say to people, don't expect to always be in the honeymoon stage 
And if you do find yourself in conflict, it's typical. So the problem isn't if you fight, it's how you fight and make up. So even if you get into an argument, um, it's coming back to thinking about what part you played in it, finding ways to mend it and versus exaggerating it or exasperating the issues. And in those early years, it's very important to know what your expectations are of each other, communicate those expectations, and know not only for your partner, but for yourself, what, what you, you know, expect to be as a husband or a wife and make it clear and open. A lot of people might have it in their minds, but so often they don't, they don't communicate to their partners about it and they expect them to be mind readers. Last question. And I love that last answer. That was really valuable stuff. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? So, I'd give advice to the single listeners to not put so much pressure on yourself to be on a timeline. It's okay to not be in a relationship. It doesn't make you of less value. Um, This actually can be the perfect opportunity to develop a sense of yourself. So knowing your boundaries, your likes and your dislikes. And the more you know yourself and the later you get married, it will actually benefit you by having a marriage that lasts So instead of trying maybe hard to be in a relationship or feeling bad that you're not in one, I think you could use this time to figure you out, you know, get intimate with your own needs and wants and really start creating a life you want for yourself. So when a partner does come along, they can better enhance your life instead of make your life. Well, Dr. Cohen, we have really enjoyed all of the great information in today's show. We talked about uh, a little bit more than than I think we expected, but the triggering, and I think definitely for myself, I'm trying to work on that. I hope there was some value there for our listeners. I think there was. I would really encourage people to try to pause for a second and think rationally. So thank you for such great information. Why don't we finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, you can find me at com, doctor spelled out, and then I-L-E-N-E, and also on Facebook, it's Dr. Eileen. Excellent. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we look forward to sharing this with our listeners. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like we mentioned in the pre-show, today is day one of the Happy Couple Challenge. We hope you are enjoying day one as much as Chase and I are. And if you haven't started the challenge already, head on over to idopodcast.com to sign up. Your day one will start tomorrow, so you'll be one day behind us, but that is just fine. If you guys have any questions or anything, send us an email at info at idopodcast.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope you guys enjoy this challenge and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.